Coming up on this episode of E-Screen Rest Screen, uh, known as Vladimir Putin's fifth favorite podcast set in Hong Kong, featuring t- two guys with 10 years difference in age. Uh, I have some news about uh, Andy Lau and Eddie Pang joining a new film. I also have information about new films uh, by Samuel Hung, Nick Chern, and uh, Karina Lam. Uh, also about Valiant Entertainment and their new big money investor. Uh, plus a little bit of Donnie, of course, because we don't have Michael Wan news this week. Uh, and a bit later, Paul will be talking about the second round Chinese New Year uh, Hong Kong comedy, Lucky Star. This is East Screen, West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Hello and welcome to another episode of East Screen. This is the show where we talk about films from Hong Kong, China, and other parts of Asia. I'm your host, Paul Fox, and joining me from his news desk at a cosplay convention in Causeway Bay is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hi, Paul. By the way, if you don't see me, I'm the Sailor Moon guy. With oh, is that you? Blonde wake. Yeah. Ah, okay, and, I'll, yeah. Mm. and I think the wig's gotten to me, so I accidentally added West Screen when I was doing the <laughs> intro. <laughs> well, that's all well and good. How are you doing, sir? I am all right, except for that bit of, you know, dementia. Um, And how are you? I'm doing fine. We are, I guess, uh, fully out of the Chinese New Year now. Uh, As we mentioned last week, the official two weeks has passed. And, uh, you know, we're back back at the grind, back at the working wheel, you might say. Yeah, um, well, I was working from, like, the fourth day of the Chinese New Year. So this whole rule doesn't apply to me just like just like most rules don't apply to entitled citizens like myself mm. yes yeah and, the and one percenter of course yeah. you are you're you, you do a lot of freelance work so for you like holidays is just another day right holidays actually extra working day which means i get time to work work you know extra now plus i've started um and this is kind of like a secret to the rest of my own universe is i'm taking korean classes now so uh uh Kevin Ma Imida, by the way, a <laughs> little bit of my 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 results from 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 uh, two weeks of Korean courses. Mm. So that it sort of it adds to the workload. And now I actually study for the first time in about ten years. It's a little odd. Uh, it's been ten years since you graduated. Oh wait, well I didn't do any real studying <laughs> at school, so. <laughs> Okay. I, yeah, I got it. I got it. <laughs> Nobody studies at film school, right? <laughs> exactly. We we just, you know, we write and, you know, even the essays we write aren't really the results of any true studying. It's just lots of internet and finding pages that are not Wikipedia for sources. So I don't know if that's... And all of that is the result of real studying Indeed. done 10 years ago. Yes. Indeed. And and then the, uh, the result after that is doing a podcast. <laughs> Because it's the same yeah. thing. <laughs> Dude, for, for a holder of Master of Fine Arts degree, a podcast is like scoring a job at like PricewaterCooper for like go. a banker, all right? So. <laughs> all right. Well, we've got a lot of stuff uh, to cover this week. So uh, we're going to turn it back over to Kevin at the news desk with some news. Here at the news desk, uh, first up this week, I'm not sure how many um, Hollywood fans are out there, but I think some of them might know about this little film called The Great Wall. This is a um, big budget production from uh, Legendary Entertainment, this company that was um, behind a lot of big tent poles um, in the past years, including the new Godzilla film, uh, Pacific Rim. Um, a lot of big Warner Brothers productions, actually. I think, oh, su- uh, Superman. Um, what's the last Superman movie, Paul? Man of, Man of Steel. Man of Steel. There you go. Uh, so, so those guys, um, they've they've separated from Warner Brothers now, so they're off with Universal. And their first, I think, their latest big project is called The Great Wall. It's a uh, mystical adventure film that's set in China. Um, it's about a 
elite mercenary force from Europe teaming up with warriors in China, uh, fighting mystical creatures under the Great Wall in the early Song Dynasty. This is sort of what I've put together. Uh, anyway, Edward Swick, the or Ed Swick, the director of Glory and The Last Samurai, he was initially attached to direct this film a few years ago, and then um, things fell apart. And uh, the director of Hero and uh, House of Flying Daggers and uh, Curse of Golden Flower and more four-letter title Chinese big-budget blockbusters, um, he's now joined um, the film as the director. Actually, this is news from last year, so so it's not big big surprise that Zhang Yimou is doing it. But now, the full cast of the film, or at least the full Chinese cast of the film, has been announced as production um, is set to begin in the next couple of months. Um, so Andy Lau, Hong Kong's favorite you know, thin 50-year-old idol, uh, will now lead the Chinese cast, and he's joined by Eddie Pang, uh, Zhang Han Yu from uh, the Assembly and uh, Trey Hark's uh, Taking of Tiger Mountain, uh, Jin Tan, uh, the female actress who was in uh, Special Identity and uh, Police Story 2013, um, Ryan Jang, who's uh, a Huayi Brothers uh, talent who starred in a couple of you know sleeper hits last year, uh, former Korean boy band member Lu Han, who you might have last seen in Twelve Golden Ducks in a Blink or You Miss It uh, cameo towards the end of the film. Uh, Ling Gunshin, who was in um, Young Detective D, uh, one of the co-stars, and also you know in Trey Hark's Taking of Tiger Mountain, Cheney Chan, the uh, blondish, uh, handsome guy from Tiny Times. I know there's not much to say when I say the handsome guy from Tiny Times, but you know Cheney Chan, you've seen Tiny Times, and also uh, Idol Group TF Boys member Wan Jun Kai. So that that is the major Chinese cast, and these guys will join Matt Damon. Or any any self-respecting uh, uh, Matt Parker, uh, Trey Parker, Matt Stone fans would say Matt Damon, um, <laughs> and Willem Dafoe and uh, Game of Thrones pa- Pedro Pascal. Um, the rest of the English cast have not been announced, but the whole film will be English, so I assume there will be more English-speaking people, and Zhang Yimou, unfortunately, is not one of those English-speaking people. Anyway, the film has a budget of over $100 million. It is set to begin production in this spring. Uh, Universal Pictures has already set a release date of November 23rd, 2016, so I assume there will be a lot of special effects and um, a pretty long production period, and of course a long post-production period coming ahead for the film. Um, in China, the film will come out um, around the same time, and let's hope Hong Kong will get us sometime in, I don't know, April 2017, because by then I I think so little people would care about mainland Chinese blockbusters that the, the gap between, you know, the for these films out will take even longer. Paul, um, what do you think? Zhang Yimou directing a big special effects thing of Mystical Creature starring Andy Lau. I mean, is it even Zhang Yimou anymore? Is this some kind of animal that's taken, like, like you know, like Scarlett Johansson under the skin or something? Except he's not seducing mess investors? Oh, uh, yeah. Um... <laughs> my, my, my question my question is this is is matt damon playing jack burton and you know is this like the sequel to big trouble in little china or something um it 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 <laughs> it, it seems like a weird a weird mashup but of course if it's got andy lau headlining uh, i'm there you know um on opening day so uh yeah it'll i mean it, it seems like it seems like a bit of a weird mishmash but then we've got a similar kind of weird mishmash going on right now with uh, uh, Dragon Blade, right? I mean, this is kind of the thing. Get some Western big-name actors, um, get some uh, China big-name actors, and, and, and throw them together in some kind of a scenario that seems to work, right? Yeah, this is, and, and you know, Hollywood's been trying to get co-productions into China for years. I mean, we're talking about movies that have attempted several times and have failed. We're talking films like Iron Man 3, um, Transformers 4. They all actually tried to get co-production status status in China by in, inserting these Chinese elements into their films. And it was so forcibly shoehorned that the, it didn't, you know, it couldn't fool the Chinese authorities and those films couldn't get co-production status. So we have a real, you know, a true seemingly is a true co-production here where it's about Hollywood money, uh, some Hollywood cast, 
but it's still, you know, you still have to respect the locals by, you know, putting a great big local element, setting it in China, things like that. So if this is a true successful co-production and it is approved as a co-production, this is actually a pretty big deal and could be a huge milestone in terms of future Hollywood China um, uh, cooperation. Um, but of course, the idea, I had a whole thing. I had a joke earlier, but now I've forgotten. I'm not sure anymore. But anyway, like I said, it, it, it could be a, a big milestone and... Um, I have no idea how the film is going to turn out. And just remember the last time an Asian director went to America to make a film and how that turned out to be. So um, obviously I'm a little worried. Uh, I'm a little wary of this film. I'm also, I mean, if, you know, this is going to be an English language film, right? Or is it going to be mixed dialogue? So like Andy Lau and Eddie Pang are going to be doing English or... No, it it will be entirely in English because apparently Zhang Yimou has not seen Full Time Killer. <laughs> Ouch. Okay. I mean, Eddie Peck speaks speaks fluent English because he grew up in the states. Um, I'm guessing Zhang Han would just stay silent <laughs> in the background and you know smoke cigarettes the whole time. But yeah, according to it, still says in Chinese media and even uh, actually in all media reports that the the, the film. Uh, should be entirely in English. Yeah. Well, my hope is that they, the powers that be realize that that's probably not the best way to go and they end up doing some kind of smart way of, you know, mixing it up where, you know, the, the people can use their their native language to act in um, for a majority of their scenes and work through it that way. I am interested because, you know, you, you throw Supernatural in there with Andy Lau and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm there. That's something that, I'm 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 willing to pay a lot to see, uh, but one of the things that kind of irks me, and and this applied to our film last week, and it's something that I've noticed happening uh, quite often in films these days, is the token throw-in of some young uh, boy band or girl band members that are up and coming, and they're just there because. It, it now represents, an, you know, an additional part of a demographic that they're trying to capture. Um, and it may not make the most sense in terms of narrative or story or the fact that, you know, can these people truly act, you know, alongside of the people they're on, you know, on screen with. Um, this is true of the film we're going to talk about a little bit later, you know. Um, and, and it's just something this that... Is, this is true of... Well, this is true of the most greater China industry since the beginning of idols. I mean, remember early, you know, Andy Lau when he was box office poison, or um, uh, Takeshi Kaneshiro in Taiwan when he was doing all those those idol films early in, early in his career. So this is kind of like something that's very very typical in such a hyper commercial industry. Yeah, but it's kind of expanded now. It's not just you know, it's not just the single idol trying to expand his career, right? You know, and in, in the days of like Andy Lau. Or you know, Leon Lai or Jackie Chung, it's them flexing out of of their singing career in, into acting. And, but here, it, a lot of times, they're throwing the entire band or the entire group at us, you know, um, you know, all at once. It's not it's not just limited to you know an individual member. Um, and I don't know, I it kind of kind of annoys me that that they kind of push things in that direction. Well, yeah, one of those actually in Hong Kong last year that was Sea uh, All Stars in. Um... Break up 100, right? Yeah, Is that yeah, what you're yeah. referring to? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that's record company. Because, um, you know, these days synergy, right? Record company also do film productions and so on and so forth. Like um, Media Asia has, um, I forgot what the company is called, East Asia. So that's, you know, Andy Lau and that's Seattle Stars and that's Ivana Wong. So, yes, they, they when they produce a film, they throw all their stars in there, including... Uh, that's why I see Breakup 100 has a lot of East Asia stars. Or when an Emperor film, uh, Emperor Motion Pictures film, has a lot of Emperor Records people, Emperor uh, Music, Emperor Entertainment people, uh, and so on and so forth. It's, I think it's just the, the way the corporate corporate um, direction of of and in Greater China, and that now that record company also producing films and you know and and becoming talent agencies of their own, and so on and so forth. So yes, this is, this is a trend that's not particularly surprising but it is yes some it's somewhat new in the past maybe 10 15 years or so since um the start of you know emperor as a big as a big uh um multi-platform 
company and other companies that follow suit. So you see more and more of that uh, as time goes on. Yeah. Well, speaking of talent, uh, you've got some uh, news about some uh, film talent from Super Talent, right? Yes, that's right. Um, so Hong Kong Film Mart is, uh, is coming upon us. That means uh, lots of new films coming on the film market, uh, lots of new announcements of new productions. And of course, I will be there um, to cover some of the new productions and some new happenings in the film industry. And I'm sure I will bring some of those experiences back in it, back for later episodes of the show. But for now, uh, Echo Films this week announced their new um, films or new um, lineup for this year's Film Mart. And that includes The Bodyguard, a new action film from from director Sammo Hong or actually this is the first directorial work from Sammo Hong in over 17 years if I if I'm um, got my numbers correct but anyway the film was shot in Russia it's an action film about a retired soldier who uh, meets a little girl a Chinese girl and um, and uh, her criminal father and when the criminal father goes missing and the little girl gets into trouble with gangs or something the bodyguard we have to sort of pick up where he left off and and go and rescue the girl and i think the twist is that um he's slowly losing his memory so he's becoming he's sort of uh it's a mix of vengeance and taken apparently that's what it is uh the film also stars uh, lots of cameos actually uh includes andy lao of course as the criminal father so it's a very small supporting role uh from what i've hear um and other 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 cameos like Samuel, uh, no, not Samuel. Sorry, William Fung, and uh, um, I'm gonna have see. Even I'm I'm having dementia. <laughs> and actually, this the only the only reason is you hear a lot of clicking because I'm trying to find my own news story for this. I can't believe I didn't have it. Anyway, so yeah, the film includes cameos by William Fung, Eddie Pang. It's a lot, it sounds familiar, doesn't it? Now Eddie Pang, all these movies. Um, Hu Jun, Trey Hark. Um, apparently Jackie Chan was invited to join the cast, but Jackie Chan, I think, was working on Dragon Blade at the time and couldn't join the film because they were shooting all the way up in, um, out in Russia. So the film has finished production and is now in post-production, and I think it should be ready by summer, so that's one film. The other film that Edgar will have is, uh, Nick Chen's second directorial work called Master Fat. The film just started shooting this week, literally, because I saw media reports about this. And it stars uh, Nick Chen as a um, exorcist, uh, local exorcist who uh, apparent who whose exorcism is caught on video and goes viral, and uh, it attracts a lot of unwanted attention from him from all realms. So it's another horror film, and the film once again stars uh, Nick Chen himself, uh, donning white hair. I think he dyed it or wearing a wig. I can't tell, but he he has a white wig, and uh, also stars Amber Kuo, who you may remember from Tiny Times. Uh, Taiwanese actress. So that just started shooting this week, but Ed goes already. Gonna, it's already selling the, the film uh, at Film Mart next week. Also coming up from Taiwan, uh, it's a film called Xenia Flower. It is the latest film from Tom Lin, the director of films like Winds of September and Starry Starry Night. And it's a big deal because this is the first major film role from uh, with Karina Lam since. Since 2010's Lover's Discourse. The film is loosely based on events from Tom's own life, um, whose wife passed away a few This film is about uh, two people who's, who lost their loved ones in the same accident, and this film is about their sort of their grieving process. The film, uh, according to uh, Tom's social media, he just finished editing the film, post-production for it, and it should be ready by the author. So three big Hong Kong stars, um, or three big Hong Kong filmmakers, stars, uh, coming with with films coming up very soon. So it looks like uh, it's another exciting year for for us Hong Kong film fans. Hmm. I, I wonder if the Nick Chung Chung film is any relation to. I mean, if it's if it's talking about the uh, you know the Master Sito scandal at all, you know. I it there's not many not much um, uh, details about the film because it just started shooting, but I could imagine that it will base base be based or its um, starting point is a lot of these these sort of celebrity exorcists or these celebrity um, ghost experts, right? So I think he is uh, it's very much based in that sort of trend, and it'll be very interesting to see whether because even Hungry Ghost Ritual sort of looked like you know 
because knowing Nick Turner's persona, he usually makes a lot of comedies, right? And and I kind of expected that Hungry Ghost Ritual would have some kind of comedic element into it, but then it turns out no, it's a straight up horror film. So it's very interesting. It'll be very interesting to see whether Nick will embrace finally embrace comedy elements in Master Fat, or whether he will once again go straight up horror. Mm, yeah, even with that white hair look. I'm still not sure if uh, you know if he's going to be growing as a director from his first film, which was kind of uneven. Um, I think I liked it more than than I disliked it because I do appreciate a, a good uh, Hong Kong, you know, ghost film. And I know that's not really your thing, right? You're not big on the 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 horror, but it'll be interesting to see how this you know pans out. If it's going to be a more of a comedic approach, or if it's going to be, a, you know, again a straight up sort of uh, serious role. And how he's grown uh, from his experiences in that first uh, directorial debut. Debut. Yeah, you know, I, I I like a, a well-made horror film as much as anyone. You know, like I like The Conjuring. I mean, it scared the crap out of me, but I I, I like watching The Conjuring at home. I, I just don't want to see that in the cinema. But anyway, I I, I kind of expected that actually Hungry Ghost Witch Road, which was Nick Chern's first directorial film, to have. A bit of comedic element in the film because of you know the roles that he play and his persona in in his films, and you know it apparently it didn't have any of that. I mean, I still haven't watched it, but I've been told that it doesn't have any of that stuff. So it'll be very interesting to see whether he's embracing, finally embracing the comedic in this film, especially with the the story about you know viral and exorcism and celebrity, you know, um, uh, and with that kind of that white hair. I, I like to see if, if Nick is finally embracing it and how well it's going to work. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I always look forward to his work, so you know, hopefully it will be uh, it will be good. Okay, next up, a bit of comic book news. I think, Paul, you might be interested in this. This is more West screen than East screen, but since there's a Chinese company involved, I'm going to bend the rules a little bit. Uh, DMG, the company that co-produced um, or put in some money in uh, films like Looper and uh, put, provided production assistant on um, Iron Man 3, has now in, make a nine-figure investment in a American comic book company called Valiant Entertainment. Uh, I don't know, Paul. Are you familiar with this company? I've, I, I'm. I know the name. Um, I don't think I've read any of their titles, though. Yeah, because I had to ask um, Ross Chan, who is you know a friend of the show and actually sits next to me at work. I asked him about Valiant. He's like, yeah, I've heard of it, but you know, like <laughs> it's literally like third, the third biggest comic book company in America, but by about, but behind DC by about like two miles, right? So anyway, D- DMG has now made a significant nine-figure investment into Valiant Entertainment in hopes of creating a cinematic universe um, sort of in the veins of DC Comic or what DC Comic wants to do and what Marvel has already been doing. Uh, so they'll be using Valiant characters you know, like Archie and Armstrong, uh, Bloodshot, and Hardbringer. Uh, I, sorry, I'm not a comic book geek, uh, and apparently even comic book geeks aren't super familiar with these, these characters. But anyway, DMG says that it hopes to create that type of um, superhero universe, and they want to make a superhero universe that isn't American-centric, i.e. they want to make one with Chinese elements. So a very interesting uh, move. Clearly, DMG is run by an American, actually American moved to China, and... Um, it's, it's very interested in bridging that gap between Hollywood and America, just like we were talking about earlier with Legendary Entertainment and The Great Wall. DMG actually was there first, and they have been trying very hard to bridge that gap. And this this is another step because um, uh, Valiant franchises, actually the film adaptations, have been in the works for several years, although none have really came to fruition as of yet. But uh, more and more... Um, well, money is going to be thrown into Valiant Entertainment. Actually, Valiant Entertainment was relaunched in 2012 with that aim. So now with this big investment, it looks like these films may actually be happening and we may see even more Chinese stars uh, in these comic book movies. Uh, Paul, are you, are you excited to, to be, you know, have to follow another comic book universe? Well, I mean, if they bring in more Chinese stars, I think that's a good thing. Uh, because you know one of the big criticisms of the, the you know the Marvel Cinematic Universe and uh, by extension DC is the the lack of you know uh, ethnic representation we might say uh, it's a, it's it's you know those universes are are whitewashed and and anytime people bring up the idea of 
uh, a change. For example, there's been a lot of controversy over Spider-Man being brought over into the Marvel Universe, and is he going to be Peter Parker, or, or is he going to be uh, one of the newer incarnations? Um, I think that there's a, uh, there's a character playing Spider-Man now who's a young uh, Hispanic boy. And, of course, a lot of people say, well, you know, they want to see the original Peter Parker, you know, but it's, it, it's, it's a white show. I mean, and when you, you know, the number of, uh, the number of people uh, who are Asians in the Marvel and DC universes, I mean, you can count on one hand. Um, and most people, I think, in the, in the public eye don't even, wouldn't even recognize the names of those characters. So, um, yeah, you know, they, they do stuff. You look at, uh, what was the, was it, uh, was it the Wolverine? Where that was when he went to Japan. Yeah, yeah, the, the yeah. sequel. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, they can do stuff like that, and there are stories like that that you know take the characters outside of North America. Even um, then, the only major good characters in that movie were Asian women. Let's face it. I mean, the whole exotization, you know, the the fact that you don't see any major Asian male characters in these universe. As an Asian male, of course, I notice these things. Like, why aren't there an Asian? You know, what you can't refer like a ninja as a superhero or yeah. something. Like, yeah. you guys are in Japan, which I, you know, which was one of the reasons I really liked uh, Big Hero Six. You know, because it was a movie that took an Asian American family and and kid basically. As as kind of the center figure, which was just, right. which is a nice change, you know. So I, I think we more need more of that. The problem is, is I think in 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 Marvel and DC, you run against the grains of tradition versus the 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 call for progress. People want to see those traditional characters. They want to see Superman. They want to see Batman. They want to see Peter Parker, Spider Man. Um, you know, but I think with a company that's not as well known. You know, you you have the flexibility with titles that are not as well known. You have the flexibility to uh, play around, which is what they did with Big Hero Six because it's it's quite different from what I understand from the comic book version. Um, you know, so you you can you can change things up to to make it fit the mold and, and to try and uh, you know, create something a little bit new uh, that's not going to be overly offensive because these aren't characters who maybe are uh, as renowned as beloved as a lot of these long-standing traditional characters well if i can say one thing that may might be a little offensive even to chinese americans is that you know the, the thing about big Hero six is that yes it was about an asian american family but it didn't sell itself as an asian american family you know what i mean like like the idea you know shows like fresh off the boat they have to sell this identity look this is about asian americans haha we're asian americans we're so special we're asian americans you know you never see um uh what's the character who flies around in Captain America 2? Uh, uh the Falcon? Wings. Yeah, the Falcon. You never run around the Falcon, you know, talking about how he's African American, right? I uh, one day I, I want to see movies where Asians no longer have to stand out and tell themselves, like, look, we're Asian, look here, we're this is special because it is about Asians. One day when Asian Americans can just sort of integrate into these these franchises without having to stand out and stand up and say that we just you know sort of naturally integrate and that it doesn't stand out at all in a way that look it's just naturally there. I think that's the true way to say that yeah, yes, Asian Americans have arrived in mainstream entertainment that when people no longer have to notice them but they're in major roles. Um and I look forward to that uh when that happens. I mean, unfortunately that's still the the Asian American sitcom still hasn't even even, even you know uh, uh, become a success yet. So um, I think that they won't come for some time. But I think that's what was a big thing about Big Hero Six, the big refreshing thing to me at least. And uh, I hope that is the the, the trend uh, in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, you know Asians on the screen, let's turn turn to some awesome news, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, you want to talk a little bit about this? Gosh, uh, yeah, Donnie, Donnie Yen, um, y- you know, it's very typical for big actors or big names here in Asia, or e- even the States or in the West now, uh, to be starring in commercials. So Donnie's latest commercial, he really puts in his effort playing a dual role. It's a mattress commercial, right? Um, what is it? Sino... Sino, Sinomax, Sino whatever. Yeah, and, yeah. And they're mat- they do mattresses and, uh, I guess, pillows, too, I think. Right. And I don't exactly understand the concept of the show, but essentially it features Donnie in a fast suit chasing or, or in a race with regular Donnie out to the front door for something and for no real reason. But anyway, you see them sort of doing these stunts and acrobats and things like that. But, of course, it ends with 
Fast Suit Donnie in mismatch couple mode. <laughs> it's awesome. It is so Doing good. a bit of a dance. Um, yeah. And yes, it is a pretty epic ad. And it's already on my list for ad of the year. Just for Donnie in Fast Suit breaking out in mismatch couple mode. Um, that itself should be like a movie, I think. Yeah, it, Raymond it, Wong, it, like it Raymond Wong, be, get, get it on needs this. to be as as I said on on Facebook, it needs to be like Love on a Diet too. Uh, you know, there's just so much potential there, and uh, I think that uh, you know, I, I just want to see more of that. Uh, whoever came up with the concept, and and kudos to Donnie for because well, we do tend to see, you know, you'll see, for example, Lao Ching Wan. Uh, playing around doing the Mannings ad, right? Uh, which which the uh, the slogan is, uh, you know, I'm a woman too, or something. Um, you know, and he's basically talking about uh, the the fem- feminine products for the most part uh, at Mannings. But yeah. it's a cute, clever, funny commercial, um, and one that I use quite often when we talk about advertising for my for my student classes. Um, but you don't often. I mean, you you'll get the occasional like Andy Lau commercial for you know he does uh, like a local herbal tea thing so some some big celebrities will be assigned to uh, certain products um donnie in the past has been known for doing uh like hair he did some hair products for a while that was kind of funny uh, <laughs> but this one it, you know it's it just kind of seems seems like a a weird matchup between him and this uh this mattress company but it works so well i mean it's so it, it's so clever that they, they got this together. They got him in this. It's not a huge fat suit. It's not like the Love on a Diet size fat suit. It's like a medium heavy suit, I would say. No, actually, he, for once, Donnie actually looks like me. So <laughs> very odd. But, Except I'm taller. Except I'm way taller. Sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm taller. <laughs> and they're, they're competing. And I guess the point is, is that, you know, I don't know if they're brothers or friends. They live in the same house. I guess they're brothers. Is, is it like one of those free company thing? I don't even I know. <laughs> yeah, it, but it's like they're competing. And I guess the point is, is that even though the, the, the brother is heavier because he gets a good rest on the mattress, he's fit or something, you know, he can do some of these stunts, but it's great. But and why are they racing? Why are yeah, they racing? They're, they're racing to uh, meet the ladies at the door. I don't know. And uh, <laughs> the, well, the one, apparently the one is uh, actually Donnie's wife, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. one of the women is Donnie's wife. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, it's 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 a fun, you know, commercial. If, you know, they'd have to get in a lot of filler to expand that out. But you know, I I just want to you know, I've I've watched it three or four times just watching that scene of, of Donnie busting a move in the fat suit. It's it's totally worth the entire commercial, um, hmm. and I think that if somebody can come along and, and turn that into an, a ninety minute production, I'm sold, and you will be too. Oh yeah, like like I said, Raymond Wong needs to get on this like right now. Like someone just wrote his 2016 New Year New Year movie for him. Yeah, right it's there. it's you know if you've um if you've gotten a chance, we we didn't talk about it here, but if you've gotten a get around to seeing um an inspector calls, okay, Donnie has a um Donnie has a great uh, little bit in Inspector Calls where he's basically doing sort of a Frankie Valley song. And it's Sherry. called Sherry and the Babies, and but he, Sherry, baby. yep, yeah. sorry, no, go for it. <laughs> no, 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 no. He, he um, <laughs> he sing, he sings like a, it's like a four part thing, and he plays all four parts. Like and and I guess they're twins, but they're like different heights, so that's kind of funny, and they've got different hairstyles. And it's a, you know it's a fun little scene. It's one of the better moments I think of the whole film. But here, I mean, it doesn't even compare to to this to this awesomeness. I think that's going to uh, wrap up our news. So let's take a short musical interlude and we'll come back and talk about the last uh, Chinese New Year film of 2015, Lucky Star. back and uh, the film we're going to be talking about today is actually a Chinese New Year film but it's one that didn't make the Chinese New Year window um, for 
I guess, a variety of reasons that aren't really important. Um, it did get a release. The release seemed to last about a week. And it was a very, very difficult film to actually get out and see because screenings were very, very limited in terms of times and the number of cinemas it was showing at. I actually went to a cinema I've never been to. Um, for the, so I went there for the very first time just to try and uh, get a hold of this film. And so we're going to talk a little bit about it and uh, some of the pros and some of the cons of this. Uh, as a Chinese New Year film, we tend to look at these a little bit differently, uh, tend to be a little bit less judgmental on these. But um, even so, this film is not without some problems. But before I get into any of that, let's talk a little bit about what it's about. So the story is a down-on-his-luck agent for celebrity impersonators, played by Wang Cholam, uh, meets a man, Wen Chao, who can do a dead-on impression of his idol, Stephen Chow. He decides to lure him back to Hong Kong with the promise of actually being able to meet the star in person. But instead, uh, Cholam starts to farm him out to do these very sort of low-level impersonation gigs. Um, and this is all in the build-up to the opening of a Stephen Chow Museum exhibition. But when uh, Cholam's schemes start to backfire, he finds his relationship with his girlfriend, a celebrity named Pickpick, played by uh, Dada Chen, uh, starts to get in jeopardy as well. So if it doesn't sound like much, it's because there's not a lot to it. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, Chinese New Year films tend to be very light on story and narrative. It's usually there's a group of people, they get into some trouble, and by the end, trouble gets solved, and everybody's happy and handing out red packets. And that's basically what this film, you know, is about. Um, it's directed by Ching Long, and there are actually a couple different Ching Longs on the Hong Kong movie database. I'm assuming this is the director of Cocktail and Citizen King, and yes, th th that, that would make this it. his first or his third feature in the series. He also did a documentary last year based on the um, the story about the lawn stairs and the old people in Chinese countryside mm. that TVB eventually made a show uh, series about. Okay. Oh, 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 yeah. The one with Moses Chen. Right, right. That well, that was based on a true story in China, and and Ching Long did a documentary with, of course, the All Stars. I don't know why. Oh, because the All Stars sang a song. It was. Mm. It began as a song about the stairs, and it was a huge hit. And Ching Long brought the All Stars. It did a documentary about the stairs, and also TVB did a show. Sorry. Okay. Long Interesting. digression. Interesting little. Yeah. Because the, the the we watched the I watched the series uh, last year, and it was actually pretty good. Um. So, yeah, he's the director of this film. Um, it, directorially, it's nothing outstanding, nothing, you know, uh, super amazing. A lot of TVB talent popping up in places. And part of me thinks that this whole setup, this whole um, thing came out of a show, an entertainment show that Wang Cholam was doing with Nancy Sit um, on Sunday nights last year um, for a couple months called Walk the Talk, uh, Talk the Talk. And um, basically, it was a show where they get, you know, young TVB celebrities out on stage to do impersonations of different people. And then they have two celebrity judges who rank, you know, the performances. And then they're, they're set into teams. So, like, Nancy Sit had a team and Wong Cholam had a team. And every week they'd come out and do different things. And they'd have some guests stop by to do a special celebrity guest uh, impersonation as well. Um the reason I say that I think this this show came out of, you know, like a, an afternoon discussion from that uh, entertainment show is because uh, quite a few of the people who were on that show end up here uh, in the cast. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, you also have some, you know, some people like Eric Zhang who shows up with a really fake wig. So that immediately kind of tells you, um, you know, the... The, the amount of seriousness you're supposed to place in into the to the film here. Um, the real red flag for me, though, was when the movie opened, the sheer number of production distribution companies that popped up. Uh, and this is something that Kevin and I had talked about um, off the air before we started recording. But normally we go into a movie and, you know, in the past you'd see like one. You know, you go back and watch some of the old films, you see like a, you know, Dixon Poons logo pop up or you see Cinema City logo pop up. Uh, or distribution workshop, you know, or boho, and you know that would be it. But now you've got like a local one and a China one, and so now it's like usually two or three. This one had at least five, I want to say, maybe more, because I was just my my jaw dropped because it's like, all right, the movie's gonna start. Nope, it's another uh, production logo. Uh, here, nope, another production logo. No, another production logo. And they just kept coming and coming and coming. Um, 
And that really kind of surprised me. And I guess that's the nature of films today is that uh, they're starting to farm out bits and pieces um, to, you know, smaller and smaller groups to get funding. And so everybody's got their name up there. Uh, but yeah, so the, the, the impersonators themselves that you get, you get people doing impersonations of Andy Lau, Chow Yun-Fat, uh, Julian Chung, Nick Tse, uh, and of course, Wen Chow doing his uh, Stephen Chow shtick throughout the film. Uh, you also have Ella Chen of uh, SHE fame from Taiwan. She's here playing uh, the sister of the Wong Cholam character. Not really why she's in this film, how they got her. Um, she, I tend to like her. She, she, um, I, I think she has a pretty nice screen presence. Uh, but here, um, she's just kind of doing a lot of angry acting. And she plays the love interest for the, the Wen Chao character, but she hates his voice as Stephen Chow. And that's the way he talks throughout the film. So they've kind of got this love-hate thing going on. Well, she speaks for the people. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Um, also, veteran supporting actress Kingdom Yun, who plays the mother of Pick Pick. Uh, that's Dada Chen's character. And she's kind of like the, her mother and her agent. She's trying to get her involved in this production um, played by... Uh, or the, it's not, it's not, It doesn't really happen, but there, there's this rumor of this production uh, for... Lust and Boundary 2, uh, which I guess is another name for Lust Caution, right? And so <laughs> she's kind of up up for this role. Um, and the, 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 the director is not Lee Ang, but it's called Lee Kong or something. And she's, she, Dada is up for the role, but of course it's, you know, she's, it's like a Tang Wei thing. She's got to, you know, do the nude and the sex scenes. And her mother's kind of pushing her to do it. And Wong Cho Lam doesn't want her to do it because um, she thinks it'll, you know, ruin her career, ruin her image. Um, and this is kind of, I guess, an interesting little parallel for Dada because a lot of people, I think, would have liked to have seen more of her in the films that she's been in in the past, the Category 3 films. And, of course, she's chosen the, the more conservative route to uh, many people's disappointment, I guess we could fairly say. Um, but, yeah, that, that's sort of an interesting subplot that kind of goes on as the mother pushes her in one direction. And actually, she is an actress. The character Pick Pick wants to do it, too, but uh, she's getting pressure from... Uh, Cholam's character to not do it and he's actually called Cholam this is one of those movies where the actors are just kind of going by their actual many of the actors are going by their actual names the real thing that happens here is part of this film uh, because the Cholam character um, convinces the Wen Chao character to come to Hong Kong he promises him that he's he can introduce him to Stephen Chow his idol and so it kind of becomes sort of like a desperately seeking Stephen Chow movie for a little bit <laughs> um and so they go around and they actually meet actual actors playing themselves so like they look up um tinky teen kai teen kai man um and wang yat fei uh yen chu uh feng min han uh, other you know people who had roles in the later stephen chow works they don't you know they don't go find andy lau or uh Mantad or, or, or these these guys but uh you know it's shaolin soccer and later um there's a lot of course parody reference to scenes lines and things um so this is a film that a lot of, really only going to appeal to stephen chow fans if you know the stephen chow movies you'll get many of the gags but if you don't a lot of that's going to be lost on people um the Dorman voice artist that we mentioned last week who unfortunately has passed away lam Chun, is also doing he also has some work here and as i talked about earlier in the news section today uh, another boy band. This time it's Lollipop F. Who? Oh, that's Taiwan. Don't worry, that's Taiwan. Who? I, I I don't know. I just it's just these guys and they've got these rubber bands. They dance with rubber bands, and I'm like, they do it like three or four times throughout the thing. I'm like, what? Why? No, no. I don't. This is not what I want to see. To, people. To be fair, they were one of the earlier boy bands that have sort of trying to cling to to the little last bit of fame. So technically, they're they've been around for a while. So really? so at least okay. no, yes, yeah. at least uh, they're Taiwan. So so yes, you may not this know about them. I I I I know nothing about uh, boy bands. So I, I I apologize for my ignorance in this area. But uh, oh, actually, I'm supposed to be ignorant in this area as well. After so seeing I, I don't them, I realized why I want to be, remain ignorant. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah. Um, in some ways, this movie kind of reminds me of the Charlene Choi movie, uh, Superfans, because it does touch about fandom and discussions of fandom. Um, and they get into some stuff that is kind of funny. Uh, they have a, you know, they have this convention 
um, which would be cool. I'd go to this if they had this. They had like this Stephen Chow con- fans convention and people were dressing up like characters from his movies and selling paraphernalia. And there was a fa- there was a trivia contest and they were like asking, you know, trivia from his movies in, in a few scenes. Um, and, and that would be something that would be really cool. I don't know. Did they actually do this in some kind of subculture thing because i've never heard about something like this happening but i would go yeah i think no because if i was doing chow i would be wondering where's my cut yeah (laughs) but anyway um so yeah it you know that they they kind of go through this these these various motions and it seems like because they're going with uh, finding these actors playing themselves and those scenes are kind of funny they're all like oh yeah i know stephen chow you know hey you got any work for me you know this this kind of thing uh, but by the end, I think, and, and I don't know if maybe they had this in their mind, you know, for this to be, have, have been a really kind of blowout Lunar New Year movie would have been to actually get a cameo with Stephen Chow. Of course, it kind of feels like that's the direction they're going. That's what they're shooting for. And, you know, Wen Chow, he does a pretty good dead on Stephen Chow. But of course that doesn't happen and it's unfortunate and... You know, I don't know. I wonder if like Eric Tsang, who's one of the producers on this film or any, you know, any of the, the people involved actually gave him a call and said, look, would you be willing to come in? And, you know, he just kind of hung up on him. Um, but it really kind of needed that, I think. And I wonder if they really, you know, if they made an attempt to try and get that, because if they had had that, I think this would have been in the mix, you know, because people would have wanted to see that. Um you know, we talked about last week the, the the surprise cameo that was kind of thrown in at the end of uh, you know the extended edition of, of Twelve Golden Ducks. That's one of the things that have, people have kind of come to look forward to in in these movies. Um, but yeah, you know, on the whole, it's it's a Lunar New Year film, uh, and in some ways, as a Lunar New Year film, it is much better than the other entries we've had for 2015 because it does have sort of that happy ending: people dressed in red, red packets. Chinese New Year greetings, all that is here. Um, and so with that in mind, if that's, you know, if that's something you enjoy, if you enjoy watching movies that kind of get you in a holiday spirit, and you know Stephen Chow movies, you know, this isn't a total waste of time. There, there's, there's some stuff you'll enjoy here. Um, the guys who do the impersonations, you know, the Chow Fat Pert impersonator, the Andy Lau impersonator, they're pretty good at doing it. They don't get a lot of screen time, but when they're there, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, so there is something to be garnered from this. Uh, it's unfortunate that it wasn't given uh, a proper place because I think I would have liked it a lot more had I seen it during the holiday period. Um, but as I said, yeah, the venues, it was, it was like nowhere, playing nowhere, and had terrible show times, and it's only been a week and it's already gone. So, so my question is, if I'm watching it, say, like two months later, or you know, when the DVD comes out next month, would the movie be crappier? I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's so. kind of what, what, I, what, I, it, you know, what I kind of got out of you what you were saying about the film. It's like you know the there's a couple of the Raymond Wong all's well ends wells. There's one in particular that sticks in my mind where they went and they did a lot of it in China and it was very just open and blatant about the the product placement and there 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 are films that just aren't fun when you see them out of context. This one is better than those. I would say, but it's still not as good as some of the other, you know, Lunar New Year movies that would be more, more towards the top of the list. Like, you know, uh, there, there are some, some movies that I can pretty much watch throughout the year and, and get enjoyment from, but others, I think if I'm watching them during the New Year period, they, they, they're much, a much better fit than at other times. You know, it's kind of like Christmas movies, you know, there, there are some movies you just wouldn't want to watch them at any time other than Christmas. Um, right. So yeah, I think that outside of the, the, outside of that context of the holiday, this probably won't play as well. And, and again, it's it's really only there for people who are going to get those gags because if you haven't seen a lot of the movies, um, really from his later period, they, they do some reference to a couple of the earlier things, but really from his later period, um, you know, when he's doing more directorial stuff, it's, you know, there there's a lot of st- reference to that kind of stuff. There's some reference to... Uh, some of the physical props and things even t- um, towards the end. There's kind of like an end showdown where they're using props from uh, some of the movies. And if you, ha- you haven't seen them, you're going to look at this stuff and go, what are they doing? Is this like a Bugs Bunny thing or, or what's going on? 
because um, it won't make a lot of sense in that context. You're listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. All right, so I think that's going to wrap things up for this episode. You have been listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. If you would like to be part of the show, you can get in touch with us via the website at concast.com or follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash concast. You can email us uh, directly, eastscreen at gmail.com, or you can you know leave us some messages over on the website too, some commentary there. We would love to hear from you. Uh, also, somewhere over on Facebook, uh, look us up there, East Screen, West Screen, and you can drop us a line there as well. But I would urge you to keep up with Kevin and what he's doing, uh, the writings that he's got going on. So, Kevin, where can people follow what you're up to? Uh, you can follow my news work uh, over at Film Business Asia. That's www.filmbiz.asia. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at the Golden Rock. That's one word, the Golden rock um of course i'm also on various other social medias but those are the two main social medias you can follow me on if you yeah that's yeah that's it pretty much yeah you should follow me on those things all right that sounds good and let me just throw out a quick plug for of course our favorite uh sites out there uh lovehkfilm.com and uh, let me throw out another plug for podcast on fire i've been very fortunate to be guesting uh, at the current time on a couple of the shows over there so you can uh, you don't get enough of my voice here, and why would you? Uh, no, uh, you can hear me uh, ramble on about movies further uh, over there as well. Uh, so next show, episode 158, still not really sure what we're going to be talking about. We've got a couple films going on right now, including the Charlene Choi Category 3 film, Sarah, which unfortunately I haven't had a chance to get out and see. Uh, we've got some preview screenings coming up for the Louis Koo Miriam Young film, uh, Little Big Master, which um, I'm going to try and get out and see, and that might be uh, coming up for our next episode. But uh, not sure anything's set in stone at this point. All things are subject to change, but uh, something we'll be talking about. And, of course, we'll have Kevin with our news. So all of that and more on our next show. Until then, this is the East Screen Podcast saying, never cosplay as yourself because you will only disappoint. And we'll see you next time. See you next time, everybody. And you have been listening to the East Screen Rescuing. Wait, no. Start that. <laughs> My tongue's not working. Yeah. East Screen. East Screen. Just East Screen. I did. I did. Actually, going down to the gym, and I was half an hour late, and then I went down to the gym, and I forgot to bring my gym clothes. Dope. <laughs> so, so I just like, oh, f- okay, I'll just come back. Mm.